Okay, is everyone here? Then let's begin. And so, though we have taken a brief pause regarding Ecclesiastes in this new season, but remember we began um, that that uh, the, the, the house of Saul has fallen and the house of David is rising up. And then we also talked about um, in Psalms 107, the, the uh, uh, Psalms 110, not 107, 110. And how the, the youth are rising up like the morning dew. And then also uh, the fall of the walls of Jericho. And now in the same series, in this opening of this new season, it says gather, muster at mitzvah. And so in this new season, what are we doing in, for this new season is grow, raising up the glorious worship. A worship that cannot be compared to anything that we've experienced before. As it says in 1 Corinthians 14, everyone is being a channel of the Holy Spirit. And as this season is upon you, ever since we've gone through the coronavirus, God has been continually shaping this church. You know, the people who had to leave had to leave. The people who were to go up to heaven were taken up to heaven. Constant change has been going on. There's been constant pruning of the church. And as a pastor, I can see that this church is a life. It's a living being. And I pray that you would also be able to see that. that the church is a living being. Just as the body, if it has a weak immune system, it'll get diseases very easily. In the same way, the church, if the church is weak, like it is weak in its, let's say, for example, its overall health, then you will see that church be, have a difficult time getting through that time. And, and so God is healing these parts, raising up the building, raising up the church. And so this is our blessing. And yet this is also where we get a lot of um, anxiety. Because, because God doesn't always move according to our expectations, right? And God moves to the church, through the church, according to his principle. Of course, he's always giving us opportunities. He's giving us chances, right, to repent, to return. But, and so anyways, through all of these various processes, we have now arrived at this season. And so this message of chapter 7, ultimately, what it means is, was what is for Samuel, what is Samuel doing? The reason why he was established, the reason why he was set up, is to bring a close to the period of the judges, right? He is the last judge. All that wickedness that was going throughout this book of Judges, which is what? Which was they did as they pleased, what seemed right to them. And same thing at our church. For a long time, we all moved according to what we thought was right. We were the focus of our own uh, righteousness. Even now, there's many people, there are many people who are still basing their lives based on what they think is right. But, but, Overall, our church has 
has um, has been pruned regarding this very much, especially since Deacon Yu has been uh, clean, pruned regarding this. That means everyone has been pruned, right? If if past, if Deacon Yu can do this right, can can live according to what the church says, then everyone in the church can. And so the reason why God set up Samuel in this season is to bring to a close the time of the judges where everyone did as they pleased. And it's the same thing applies to us right now. That soon this leader is going to be established who is going to reign over the remnant of the Gentiles. I don't know who it is. Whether it's me or not, I don't know. It may, it may not be. Right now, honestly, I don't know how long I'll last, so I don't think it's going to be me. But there will be someone in this season, from the perspective of the remnant on the Gentiles, there's going to be a leader who can lead the entire community of the Gentile remnants. And we'll all be able to recognize that, ah, is this person. For example, if it's me, You've seen how much God has used me to manifest his power. But when, if, for example, I am that person, then that power, then that manifestation will be something that you cannot even compare, right? There would be something that everyone could, would be able to recognize. And so Samuel was set up, and even though he was set up, until this time of, of what's going on in chapter 7, how was Israel living their lives? We'll see in verse 3. So let's look at verse 3. What was the house of Israel like? This is the beginning of Samuel's ministry, right? And Samuel said to all the house of Israel, If you are returning to the Lord with all your heart, then put away the foreign gods and the Ashtoreth from among you. And so in chapter 7, we're seeing Samuel being set up as the leader over Israel. Up until this point before, what's been going on in Israel? is that, are you returning to the Lord? And so who is Israel? Israel is supposed to listen to the word of God every day, uh, being immersed in the word, Right, putting it on their wrist, putting it on their forehead, on their on their doorpost, everywhere the word should be. And yet, it is saying, if you are returning to the Lord, and so, in other words, for two thousand years in the church, God's church has lost the word of God, as the prophecy of Joel said. For two thousand years, the word of God has been confined, has been put away by the church. And so the church was unable to be glorious. Now, of course, there were remnant uh, everywhere throughout time. But, but it is not an overstatement to say that the church was without the word of God for the past 2,000 years. That's why the church has been growing more and more powerless. And of course, there were times of revival in between. But that's also that God could raise up his seed. Right, there's revivals here and there, great awakening, various kinds, but it was always just a short time, right? Or as last year in Ashbury. Right, I said at that time, 
I'm grateful that there was this revival, but it's not going to last. A lot of large, big churches, mega churches say that there's going to be a great harvest. That's, that's all BS. That kind of harvest revival has already been finished. It's not that kind of revival that we are waiting for. But like it says in Isaiah, the church has entered into this time of powerlessness. That, Like the prophecy of Joel says, most pastors, most churches have entered into this state of powerlessness. That there's no one who, who proclaims the word of God. It has become a rare thing. And so really, wherever you go all over the world, are there pastors who are truly alive in the word of God? Who are truly vigilant in the word of God? Are there? If there are, please show me. This isn't our own judgment, is it? Am I, am I seeing incorrectly? Tell me. Let me know that the church is still alive, is still doing well. That there, that there are churches that are praying powerfully, that are raise, uh, opening the gates of heaven. Tell me. Show me. Because I want to see. And so from the big perspective, for the past 2,000 years, the church has been turned away from the word of God. And so though we have this logos, it's not logos that we need, but we need the rema, the revelation. And so this revelation has yet to come to Israel. And because they did not have revelation, they don't have the word. Because they don't have the word, they cannot receive the revelation. It's an intimately tied relationship between revelation and the word of God. But now the season that's upon us is this season, yes? Where God's, revela or that God's revelation is not coming down on this earth. And people do not have the word of God. And so in other words, as Israel was lost during the times of Judges, right, and now it's coming to a close as Samuel is born, right, after Israel went through the Exodus around B.C., around B.C. 2000, around B.C. 1900, around there. Okay, roughly around BC 2000. David reigns around 900 BC. So for the past 2000 years, for the past thousand years, Israel has been seeing little bits of revival here and there, getting the revival, entering into Canaan. But then the moment they entered into Canaan, they, they started to die because they lacked the word of God and the vision was, was hazy. And so we're looking at it from a big picture perspective. And then... And then so, as they were going through the pinnacle of wickedness during the time of Judges... Finally, God brings up, raises up a prophet, Samuel. And then so what happens here? Samuel was, of course, born. 
But who who was the judge of Israel before Samuel? It was Eli, right? And through Eli, we see that he that the entire priesthood has been corrupted, that the entire priesthood has been fallen. And so, who do the Israelites fight with? They're fighting against the Philistines. And we see how fallen the sons of Eli are, right? Throughout this warfare. And so they take the Ark of the Covenant to battle and, and they lose that covenant to the Philistines. And the entire family line of Eli gets completely destroyed, right? And so, and so the Ark of the Covenant has no meaning if you don't have true faith in God. If you don't have this faith for the glory of God, for His holiness, then whether you bring that Ark of the Covenant or not, it doesn't, it doesn't do anything for you. It doesn't matter how many copies of the Bible you have in your house. If a hundred copies of the Bible was to give me power, then I would have a thousand copies. When I was in the Methodist church, we were going to... We were going to a pastor's conference and one of the pastors got upset at me and said, how arrogant are you that you're not wearing a necktie? And I said, if a necktie was to make me holy, I would wear 10 neckties. Right? If I were, if a thousand Bibles were to make me holy, then I would have a thousand Bibles, right? And so again, if Israel is not holy, the, the covenant has no meaning to them. And so they lose that covenant, that co- ark. And, but we see that um, when they bring the ark of the covenant in the temple of Dagon, right? Dagon's, the statue of Dagon is bowing before God, right? God protects his own glory. We, we do, cannot protect God's glory. Amen. And so after 20 years, 34 years of my ministry, this is what I finally realized. That oh, it's not me who does it. It's God's reign, God's dominion, God's holiness, God's glory. It belongs to God. And so God will take care of it. It's not, it's not about my prayer. It's not about what I can do. Of course, I pray because of His glory radiates and because His glory do- dominates. That's why I pray. But it's not because of my prayer that that glory, that that, that, that holiness comes forth. Uh, also, Haney will be fasting 21 days starting tomorrow. Kwangzu will be finished in two days. And Injin's finished. And then Hain is also going to be doing 21 day fasting. Oh, I'm so pleased with the youth these days. Who's next in the youth? Next.
자 됐어요. 아니 그냥 해본 말이다 진짜. 혼다고 하지 말고 좀더 혼다네. 자 여기까지 했어요. 자 그래서 하나님은 당신의 영광 당신. So God uh, protects His own holiness, His own glory. And so, only to Israel who is holy is the blessing of the Ark of the Covenant valid. If they do not have it, then it's not a blessing, it's a curse. Paul says the same thing. That either you are an aroma of death or an aroma of salvation. If you have the word of God to the world, either you are an aroma of death or an aroma of, of salvation. You got to be one or the other. If you are not, that's a problem. While I was a working place, while I was working, I was clearly an aroma of death or an aroma of salvation to wherever I went. And so God manifests himself as judgment in the temple of Dagon. And so in Bessemus, Uh, that they send the ark, return, they return the ark to Israel. And where does it return to? It returns to Kiriath Arim, which is close to Jerusalem. And so it returns to Kiriath Arim. And so uh, they lose the Ark of the Covenant, right? Meaning that they are no longer Israel. Because who is Israel? Israel is Shema Israel, right? They are hearing the Word of God. So if they lose the Word of God, they lose their identity. But God protects His own glory. He protects His own reputation, His own fame. And His own name is upheld by Him. And so we see that. And so though... Uh, the ark returned to Kiriath Jerim. Where should it return to? Okay, remember, where is the completion of the Exodus? It's when uh, the temple or the tabernacle is finished in Jerusalem. And so when God is seated over that tabernacle, that Holy of Holies, that is the completion of the Exodus. And so if the ark is at Kiriath Jerim, it's not at its final destination. And so now we finally see Samuel come in and it has this gathering, this mustering at Mitzpah. And what is this then? It is the doorway. It is the gateway to opening up the, 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 the house of David. What is Samuel doing? Samuel is opening that way to, to, to pour out that anointing upon the house of David. And so same thing to us. Why are we gathering in Israel? Because who is the eternal king of the line of David? Jesus is returning, right? He is returning to, to uh, come to Jerusalem. This is one season, one season. 
That's the reason why we are gathering in Israel. As Samuel gathered Israel in Mitzpah, in order to bring about the house of David, he is sanctifying the house of Israel, right? So in this, and so finally, the house of David gets established. And in the same way, we are going to Israel, gathering with the remnant all over the world. Why? Because God wants to uh, have the remnant all over the world in Jerusalem when he returns. And so he is preparing that way through us. Amen. So that's what it means from a prophetic point of view. And so from the overall picture, this is the season that is upon us. And so whether Samuel was aware of it or not, what he was doing was he was gathering Israel to, to prepare for uh, the season, for the house of David to be established. And so in this new season is opened through Mitzpah. And so where does the house of David begin? It begins here at the revival of Mitzpah. And so same thing to, uh, applies to this gathering at Jerusalem. That this is the season to uh, restore the holiness and to sanctify and set apart the remnant for the return of the Lord. So God is blessing us with this season. Amen. And so to you who are with us, Is clear how we should uh, treat this season. Amen. If you do not think you are a remnant, then fine. Do whatever you want. But if you are the remnant preparing for his return, then as Israel gathers in Mitzpah, it's really important for us to enter into that holiness together. Amen. And so through today's text, what we want to see Is what let's see what happened in this event as they gather from Mitzpah. Don't you think that today's sermon is going to end really shortly? So it's going to end really shortly. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Oh, he, today is really hard. He's he's not speaking straight. <laughs> he's going in circles and circles and circles. Oh, pray that he ends quickly. <laughs> Honestly, uh, I think it's weird when people think that Ecclesiastes is written by Solomon. Because someone, I guess, told him, came up to him and said that I, she was a little bit offended when I said that uh, Solomon was not the author of, of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes. 
And look, for example, especially with the Old Testament, the Old Testament, right, like, for example, when we look at the Pentateuch, is Moses the author? I mean, of course, Moses was the one who wrote it, right? But it is, was handed down through tradition for years, for centuries. And, and so, so yes, it was, it was word given through Moses, but that doesn't mean Moses wrote down these words word for word. That's what I'm trying to say. Understand what I'm trying to say? And so, like, the New Testament is different, right? New Testament, Paul directly wrote that loaded letters. But the Old Testament is different because Old Testament, as it was handed down orally, after the Babylonian captivity, they started to write it down. Right? Most of the books of the Old Testament were written around that time. And so we cannot say that Solomon himself directly wrote these Ecclesiastes. If Solomon was the author, then we cannot interpret a lot of the things that he says. And so he's saying this because someone told him that she was offended that, I, that he said that Proverbs, uh, that Ecclesiastes was not written by Solomon. And so first, verse 2, from the day the ark was lodged at kiriath Jerem, right? It's lodged at kiriath Jerem. But Israel knows that that's not its final destination. And so they know that that's not where it needs to be. Later we'll see through King David, right, uh, the event that happened to Uzziah and all the various things that happened as they were trying to bring the ark to Jerusalem. Everyone in Israel knew that the ark needed to come to Jerusalem. And so that's why it was such torture to them that it was in kiriath Jerim for 20 years. That's why it says house of Israel lamented after the Lord. And so, same thing for us, right? We are also lamenting after the Lord because for these past 2,000 years, we were waiting for the word of the Lord. And so finally, 20 years ago, God through Yobang Church is starting to restore His truth. Amen? How? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But anyways, and so, so tw some 20 years passed and the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. Israel knew that the word had to reign and had to have dominion. And so they are lamenting after the Lord. They're lamenting that, that that's what they would desire. And so from our perspective, it's the same thing applies to us. For the past 20 years, as uh, the Holy Spirit was restoring the word of God, even though I was outside of the church for, for half the time, 
And yet God established His truth. How amazing is that? That God established His truth. Even though I was going all over the world, and yet for the past 20 years, the Holy Spirit has has finished His true system through us. That wasn't easy. It's not something a man could do. God did it through us. Amen? And so for the past 20 years, we've been yearning and lamenting, and that's why this new glorious season is before us. Amen? And so for the past 34 years, I've never stopped lamenting after God that the word of God would be restored. That why does the church think that this is of salvation? Why do the church think this is that? That that we've lost sight of the of the glory and the power of the church. And so this this lament within me. And because I've been doing that for the past 34 years, right? That's why we are here today. So even look, look at while you were at your previous churches, right? Uh, whenever people talked about salvation, they always talked about it as if that the final destination was going to heaven. But that's not going to, that's not the point of salvation. People think that because salvation is enough, all they have to do is pray a prayer and as long as they have the ticket to go to heaven, then they're finished. And so, so they just used the Holy Spirit, right? That's, that's all of you, your churches. Your goal was to just get on the train. Oh, because the train is going to come at this time, bring your ticket and get ready at that time and just come at that time when the train goes. What happens if that train was to leave 10 minutes early? And that's how we lived our lives. And so for the past 20 years, look at how much the the church has corrupted the true system. And now through uh, Yerbang Church, your eyes have started to be opened up. Right? Oh, the early church was twenty was two thousand years ago. It was miracles happened then because it was needed then, but now it's different. Right? That's what you've all heard at your churches, but now your eyes have been opened to the truth. Right. And so for the past 20 years, this is the power, the force that has been pushing us forward. And just as if when you feel hunger, it's a sign that you are alive. The fact that you have this yearning shows that your spirit is alive. And even now, You may say, oh, I cannot pray, I cannot do this, I cannot do that. There are many things. But there's only one thing I want you to be focused on. Are you still yearning for the glory of God? Are you still yearning for God? Is that yearning heart within you? If that yearning is dead within you, then... Then the Holy... then, then, Then it's clear to say that the world is controlling you. 
Right? And so for past 34 years, I've been yearning, and that yearning has grown within me. And how about you? Right? It, shouldn't you also have that same yearning? And so, the revival that opened this new season is because they had this yearning heart. They had this lament after the Lord for 20 years. And all the time, as they were going through the judges, that wickedness. Even in the midst of that wickedness, the fact that they had this yearning and this lament after the Lord means that God has done it. That God is, is showing God's will to open up the new season. Right? Think about it. For a thousand years, they've been wicked, and yet all of a sudden, would, they, would it be easy for them to just turn on, and, turn on a dime and be like, oh, I yearn and lament after the Lord? No. It's because God is preparing the season to open the house of David. That's why he's pouring out his spirit upon Israel. Same thing to us in Yerban Church. That all this time, God has been creating it inside of us. Without, without God doing that, would we be, have been able to maintain this revival for the past 20 years? No. And though we're not doing much, and yet 24-hour intercession, right? Our church is very busy in many ways, yes? Very busy. With such small numbers. And not just intercession, but going all over the world, ministering to, to the saints all over the world. Right? Think about just this year, just this year, past year alone. How many times have we gone overseas? Think about the money we've spent going overseas. And yet there's no reason for us to boast because none of it has been done of our own efforts. None of it has been done out of our own strength. God has made it all. And so just as we're seeing God raising up, stirring up Israel in, in, in Mitzpah, same thing, God is stirring us up, stirring us up to restore the glory of the early church, to restore the word of God to his church. Amen? It's all the work of God. And so if you have this yearning, it means that God has something to do in you. God doesn't just give you that yearning for no reason. So what is this yearning? This is God's will to enter deeper into His Spirit, right? But if you can't, so don't yearn for money, don't yearn for the things of this world, but let's yearn after God, amen? And so this morning as I was praying, what is my ultimate goal? Is to love you more. That without you, there's nothing. That all I am to do is to love you and to know you. Is that, isn't that it? 
Bernie, is he translating well? You could be honest. Yeah, I'm not doing that well, right? It's okay. You could be honest. <laughs> I'm having a hard time keeping up with him. <sighs> I'm really sorry. I'm trying. <laughs> and so anyway, secondly, verse 3 and 4. Okay, so 3, 4, 5. It's actually all same context. And so first, as they gather to Mitzpah, what is he proclaiming? It is, it is repentance. And so, maybe as we're going to Israel, we could repent then. But, but honestly, as this coronavirus has been happening, uh, much repentance has been happening within our church, amen? Ever since coronavirus. And though we have not completely solved the issue of living for ourselves, and yet we are starting to realize that this is the issue and that this is a poison to our spiritual life. And so many of us, most of us, most of us understand and are repenting of it in our spirits. Amen. And we are working hard to repent of this. Amen. Amen. So he's saying that um, that all the old pop songs in him has been sanctified, and so it's all about God. But anyways, ever since coronavirus, all of this repentance has been be- has begun within the community. Maybe it's not all completely solved with, and yet we all understand, right? We all understand that the world is poison. Amen. At the very least, we have this desire to reject the world. Right? At the very least. And so it begins with repentance. Verse 3, And Samuel said to all the house of Israel, If you are returning to the Lord with all your heart, and so this gathering at Mitzpah is so that they could return to the Lord, right? This shub, which means to repent. To return, shub, to repent. And so they needed to return to God. And if they want to return to God, they need to return with all their heart. What does that mean? That means that they need to fix their direction. And this isn't just at an individual level. But that all the community, the, the house of Israel needs to return. 
Because the house of Israel isn't just simply an organization, but it's a life. Right? Same thing as the church. It's not just one person repenting, one person returning. No, it's the entire church. The entire church needs to turn. And so this must be clear to you. For the past 20 years, as I've been going through Yerban Church, that maybe some of you may feel that, oh, because of you, the holiness has grown. Other of you may think that, oh, that the church has had a hard time because of me, right? Be honest with yourself. Be honest with yourself. And the reason why we can say this Because let's say that from my arm, it's leaking blood. Then this little wound is making my entire body weak. Amen? So this is why it's so important to understand that the church is life. It's because you do not understand that the life is a, that the church is a life. That's why you think that oh, I'm what what am I what am I what is my lack of prayer going to influence the church? My unbelief, my worldliness, that it only applies to me. No, it applies to the old church. These kinds of people are the people that need to leave the church. But if you are called, then it's not about leaving the church, but it's about being transformed. That's what's important. And so we are about 450 members strong. And so you are a member of this body. And so it's returning to the Lord with all your heart. All of us returning with all our heart. Do not lose that heart. Amen. Do not think that, oh, you are an exception. Or that you alone does not put much influence. No, even that one person causes such hardship for me as your head pastor. So the important thing right now is that we are a life, right? We are a living being. We are a living organism. And so we all influence the church. And one evidence of this is that when that person leaves the church, the very next day I do not remember that person's name many times. 
even though I've been praying for them for 10 years, the moment they leave the church, like their, their name does not come upon my lips. This is when I can feel that the church is a living organism. And so with all their heart, not just one person, but all of Israel. So whoever it is, if you are belonging to this church, we need to all repent. There's no one who is exempt. We all must repent. Amen. And so how important is it to feel that we are a church? Amen. That's how important it is to be the church. Amen. And so return with all your heart. And as Joel 2.14 says, then in these last days, we'll see, he prophesied that Israel will return to the Lord. That don't uh, rend your clothes, but rend your heart. What does that mean? To have a true repentance, right? Joel has the same kind of, of prophecy. And so in these end times, Isaiah 55, 15 is a summary of the revival of these end times, which is what is that they will come to the Lord with a contrite heart. And so the more you go down the Christian life, the more you and more deeper your repentance will go, the more deeper and deeper your knowledge of the evil of man will become. And so as it says in First Timothy 2 or Second Timothy 2:15, why at the height of Paul's spirituality does he say that he is the worst of all sinners? We will be able to understand this the deeper and deeper we go in faith life. The deeper your repentance is going is proof that you are growing in holiness. And so if your holiness is not deep, it's not possible to repent deeply. So, you know, when, some, when a big event happens to someone and they start beating their breast and crying out to God, is that deep repentance? No, that's just a shock of emotion, emotional shock. Deep repentance comes through deep fellowship with God, through, through deeper understanding of the Word of God. Repentance happens through deep fellowship with God. Amen. So repentance is a really important element to Christian life. And so if we want to repent, what do we need to do? Then put away the foreign gods and the Ashtaroth from among you. So this is greed. It's the world, right? Put away the world. If you do not put away the world, you cannot return to the Lord with all your heart. Lord, help me give up alcohol. If you're always going to the bar, how can you? It doesn't matter no matter how much you pray to God, right? If you are always at the bar, how can you expect God to take away your alcoholism? And so without removing the world, you cannot return to the Lord, shub to the Lord with all your heart.
And so there are not many things that we could do out of our effort, out of our will, right? Think about your cell phones. It's impossible to get rid of it out of your own will. There was one time I got on the taxi without my wallet, and yet I was in luck and found a $10 bill in my, in my pocket. But as I was looking at the taxi meter, it was going up and up and up and up and up. And so I started to get nervous and nervous and nervous. But so, like, so look, there's nothing I can do of my own will, right? I cannot will myself to do anything. And so, when it, when it, to put away the world doesn't require my will? No. What does this mean? It means to fix yourself to the direction of God's grace. If you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you will not use your cell phone. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you will be annoyed with, with the things of the world. If you are filled with the Holy Spirit, then sisters, it will be hard for you to go shopping. Of course, many of you can't go because you have no money, but... But anyways, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, it becomes impossible to live with the world. And so where's the focus? The focus is not about where your will is. The focus is not about what you are willing to do. But the focus is that as you live with God, He becomes your will. That you are in His grace, and as you are in His grace, you do not that the that the desire that the ability to reject God go, go smaller and smaller and smaller. And so, as I said, you do not find counterfeit by studying counterfeit. You see the real thing. And so, in the same way, you continue to go towards the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Continue maintaining the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And if you do so, then the world will become automatically removed from within you. And so with the will to get rid of your cell phone, that alone will not solve the problem. You need to yearn to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so all of these words are all from the same root. Right? Uh, direct your heart to the Lord. Right? And so you cannot remove the world without directing your heart towards God. But because you direct your heart towards God, you can remove the world. And so without removing that, without directing your heart towards God, the effort to get rid of the world is ultimately going to fail. You cannot do anything on your own. The devil has so many plans and strategies to, to break your will. He's unlimited in his strategies. He knows how to break your will. For thousands of years, been, the devil has been studying ways to break your will. And so through will alone, you cannot break those things. Right? Many of you who used to be smokers, it's not easy to, to stop smoking, right? So the devil 
our, our, our professors at how to break down your will. They know you very well. They know exactly how to break your will down. The devil knows very clearly how to make you fall. Always using your wife to, to strike, to strike at your your um your sense of pride, right? Oh, am I a demon? Why why do I know so well? Can you not hear me? Hello? No? Can I hear me? Can you hear me? No? Can you hear me? Hey, uh, Jonah, where's Jonah? Jonah's not here. Can you not hear me? Yes? No? Hello, 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 no? Can you hear me? Wow, what happened? One moment, one moment, I, uh, give me a moment. Can you hear me now? Yes? Okay. I, I don't know what happened, but uh, the recorder was stopped all of a sudden. Uh, give me a moment, please. Okay, so ultimately what he's talking about is, is that uh, the impossibility of being able to Break habits through willpower alone. And so, either you do not repent properly, deeply, or truthfully, or you do not know the power of the blood. And so the, there is no way to say, oh, I sinned again. No, it's not again, right? If you repented deeply, the power of that blood has washed, washed you clean. In my life, I've never cursed. I've never cursed in my entire life. If I were to curse today after repenting, again, I've never cursed in my life. That's the power of the blood of Christ. And in the grace, this, this becomes holiness. And so as you live by the power of the blood of Christ, you will feel the effects of sin diminishing upon your life. Now let's say that you sin more and more and more, then that's being stiff-necked. But let's say that that you are truly repenting and you're going towards God. That's what, what is not stiff-neckedness, is boldness. And so what's the result here? 
is that they serve the Lord alone. Direct your heart to the Lord and serve Him only, and He will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. So who can do this? It's the new self. And if you are in the new self, then you are disconnected from the devil. Why do you keep losing to the devil? It's because you're connected to the world. Why is it so difficult? It's because you're connected to the world. The difficulty itself is not a problem. But in that difficulty, you should not suffer loss. If you're suffering loss, then that's the problem. That means that, you, that the new self is not having influence over your life. The new self has difficulty. But in that difficulty, you suffer no loss. That's what's important, is breaking through. And so if you are the new self, Philistines cannot do anything to you. And so though it's difficult, you can laugh in the face of danger. Though it's difficult, you can laugh in that face of the difficulty. Do you think that I'm not having difficulty? I have difficulties just as you do. Was it you? So the new self, the level of the new self needs to continue to grow and grow. So it says, serve the Lord alone. And so verse 4, so the people of Israel put away the bowels and the ashtroth and they serve the Lord only. This is really important. Serve the Lord only. When they say serve the Lord, that means you could serve other things. It's syncretism. And so it says, serve the Lord only. And so this is where the corruption of faith has happened. Is that instead of saying the world alone, the word alone, they need the world. They need information. They need knowledge. No, it's the word alone. That they need to serve the Lord alone, but they serve money, they serve people, and they still go to church. This syncretism. And so it's difficult to find people who are not syncretic. They'll say, how can you live by God alone? You need money, you need influence, you need education. No, no, it's because you have other things that's making it difficult. If you were to serve the Lord alone, then how many people can you find like that? And so look at how much this church is lost in secretism. We need to serve the Lord, the, the Lord alone. And the reason why we're able to remove the world and look to Him and direct towards Him is because we serve the word, oh, the Lord alone. 
With syncretism, it's impossible to have that direction. And so, and so if you get to the point where I am in your life, uh, advanced in age, you would see the things in your life that did not serve the world, world uh, the, the Lord alone. Is what's caused a lot of hardship, and so if you're a, f- and so you realize that these things where it was not the word, the Lord alone is the poison in your life, right? Man, this is deception. Thinking that oh, it's because I don't have money. Oh, because I don't have influence. Oh, because I don't have background. No, that's all deception. It's it's that I did not serve the Lord alone. So we got to hurry up and go through Ecclesiastes, right? To remember your maker in your youth before you, before you feel that there's nothing to live for, right? Daniel at 17 already recognized the vanity of Babylon, so did not live by the desires of Babylon, did not live by the demands of Babylon. At 17, already realizing that the world is nothing and was able to cast it away. Most young people at that time would try to appeal to the king of Babylon. And yet he knows that his victory doesn't come from finding favor in the king, but from finding favor in God. And so there are youth in our church who are also recognizing this, that, 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 that the world is vain, is empty. And so in this new season, this must be clear, amen? That the world is nothing. The world is filthy. And so in our church these days, I say, Don't call them demons. Don't give them the title, the dignity of the title of demons, but call them filthy spirits. Don't call it immorality, but the filthy spirit of immorality. And not unbelief, but the filthy spirit of unbelief. Right? And so that's what we want to appeal, is that it's filthy, filthy. And so do you still like the world? Then raise your hand. And so the third thing is to now is to gather, to muster. It's the same context, right? First was preparation, 
And in that context, now Israel is moving to gather in Mitzpah. And so verse 5, then Samuel said, gather all Israel at Mitzpah. Why Mitzpah of all places? Because in verse 16, we see where Samuel's circuit was. was Bethel, Gilgal, and Mitzpah. But where does Samuel live? He lives in Ramah. And so you, you could say he could have gathered anywhere here, right? At Ramah, at Bethel, or at Gilgal. And yet, why does he say Mitzpah? Right? It's not coincidence. Where is Mitzpah? Honestly, geographically, we do not know exactly where Mitzpah is. But Mitzpah means observatory, right? Observatory. And so it's probably somewhere in a high elevation. So there's spiritual significance here. Israel was unable to maintain their, uh, their role as a scout, as a, as a watcher on the wall. They let go of that. They lost that responsibility. And so now return to the observatory and stand as the watchman to restore Israel's uh, role as a watchman. That's why they're gathered at Mitzpah. Now, of course, the place itself is not important. No matter how great that name may be, if they do not have holiness, then it has no meaning. But there is this amazing revival happening at Mitzpah, right? This re- restoration of the worship. And in verse chapter 10, verse 17, we see what? That Sam, Saul gets proclaimed king as Mitzpah. And so spiritually speaking, Right, this mitzpah is the place of the prophet, right? The prophecy being proclaimed. But mitzpah also is a place of corruption later on in, in history. But anyways, the important thing is, is your heart towards God. But uh, geographically speaking, mitzpah also has significance. Also in Joel, as the end times draw nearer, uh, we see God continuously saying to gather, to gather, to gather. That's the reason why Zoe ministry continually gathers. It's, it's, not, it's not simply so that we could feel good about ourselves. No. As the end times gets closer and closer, it says to gather, to gather, to gather. To uh, call a holy fast and, and gather a holy assembly, as it says in Revelations. Or is it Isaiah? Uh, but anyways... To gather the generations. To gather even the newlywed groom and the bride. What do you mean? There's no time for honeymoon, right? Gather, gather, muster. That's so verse 17. I don't know where, he, where, verse 17 of where. He's re- reading verse 17 from a certain place, but I, do, I didn't hear where. So, one moment. And so in these end times, we gather. 
for the past 2,000 years. Uh, every time the Holy Church has been present in history, what did they say? Is to separate yourselves from the world, to repent of the influences of the world, and yet still we see people loving the world so much. And so look, the word that God has given to this Yobang church, even in Ecclesiastes, what, what is the greatness that God has given us? that the wavelength of the church is completely different from the wavelength of the world. The world continually goes on its circuits, goes on its circuits. And so look, that's why the world is so vain, because it's just circling and circling and circling. It cycles and cycles and cycles. That's why it's vain. But in the time of God, Alpha and Omega, He is the beginning and the end. Right? He, there is this direct path towards completion. And so in the world, there is nothing new under the sun. And so let's not be under the sun. Where should we live? We should live over the sun. Be seated on the throne. It's to these men that new things happen every day. Even today, you must discover you being renewed. Are you being renewed? Is this in this new season, are you finding God's new meaning in you? If you are not being renewed, that means you're still living under the sun, living in the flesh. That's why you are circling, cycling, cycling. You are a squirrel, squirrel circling and circling and circling. <laughs> And so look, even from the perspective of time itself, the church and the world is completely different. Only in the religion of God, of Yahweh, is there time that goes from the beginning to the end. Look at all the other religions of the world. It's all circles, circulating, circulating, right? Like Hinduism and Buddhism with reincarnation constantly being circle, circle, circle. Only God goes forward. Maybe some of you might feel more comfortable with reincarnation. Oh, might as well just live my life however I want and just be a cow in my next life. Maybe that might be more comfortable for you, but... And so the world and the kingdom of heaven is completely different. Even from just time itself is completely different. And so those who believe in God's dominion, whether it's time, they can take a chance, right? Because kairos, that's what it can mean. To seize the day, right? If you were living in a cycle, you would live as life comes at you. But Kairos, 
They seize that day. Right? That they seize that day. Because this time is a time that's passing you by. You are going forward towards God. And so this time is never going to come back. So people who are living in cycling, even if they spend 24 hours, they're spending 24 hours like it's one time, same time. But to Kairos people, they, they are moving forward. They are seizing that day. They are living under the dominion of God. And so they will not lose prayer. They will not lose the word of God. All the things that are needed for their spiritual health, they will not let it pass them by. And so for the past 34 years, that's what God has been doing in me is, 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 is not letting time pass me by. All right? I was not a machine, and yet... And yet these patterns that God was putting inside of me. Why? Because I'm heading towards perfection. I'm heading towards completion. And so gather at mitzvah. Repent and gather. And in these end times, we're gathered, we're gathered, we're gathered. Even during the coronavirus, we gathered. So verse 5. And I will pray to the Lord for you. So is Samuel just simply saying he's interceding for Israel? No. Finally, as this time of the judges are going by, finally a true leader, a true leader is being proclaimed. That this leader's prayer is going to be heard by God. And now they have this relationship with this intermediary. And... And so you know very well that my prayer is really important in this church. That's why I cannot stop praying. It's not because I'm excellent or something. No, but because God has chosen me as the head pastor of this church. So your prayers are really important. Your prayer for intercession, your prayer for the individual, your prayer, that's all really important. But amongst those prayers, my prayer is more important from what context that, that I'm praying for the community. Right, I need to pray in order for it to be unlocked for you as well. And so Samuel is being established as the leader. And through Samuel, God is going to have dominion over Israel. That's where it's the same. So in verse 9, so Samuel took a nursing lamb and offered it as a... Uh, and Samuel cried out to the Lord for Israel and the Lord answered him. So this is the relationship that Samuel has with Israel as the judge, as the leader. The Lord heard his prayer. God's not going to listen to every individual prayer, but through the prayers that gather to, through the leader, God is going to answer, right? And so when I say God is going to answer my prayers, it's not from at an individual level that I'm speaking of. As the representative of Yerban Church, I'm praying. And so in that representation, that's my prayer. That's the efficacy of my prayer. And so in these end times, this leader is going to be established. I don't know who it is, but there will be someone established. Don't pray that, oh, let it be Pastor Kim. 
that's not that's not important. It's God's choice, God's election. And so, anyways, let's continue. Verse six. So they gathered at Mizpah and drew water and poured it out before the Lord. So this is all about purity, right? Purity. So they uh, and fasted on that day and said there, right? It's all about purity, that we have sinned against the Lord. And so what does that mean? That means they acknowledge their own wickedness. It's the same thing applies to you. As you continue to gather towards God, as you continue to direct yourself towards God, your wickedness, your wickedness, it becomes revealed. And so if you do not, there are some of you who do not recognize what your wickedness is. There are many of you who do not recognize where it comes from. But at this season, at the very least, we need to see that why these things are happening inside of us. Whether you have the ability to deal with it or not, that's, that's, that's for later. But at the very least, you need to recognize why or how it's coming upon you. And so when they say that for we have sinned against the Lord, it's not just simply, oh, I don't want, I don't, I, I'm s- repenting. No, they are recognizing their, their transgression. They are recognizing not just the act of their transgression, but the, but, the, but the heart that's inside of them. That how much Israel has been living in wickedness, in syncretism, chasing after prosperity, chasing after idolatry. That's what they are recognizing here. That ah, we have treated the word of the Lord lightly. We have treated the word of the Lord as if it's nothing. We have mixed the word of the Lord with other things. And so the, the source of this wickedness, the source of this iniquity is being recognized. When I was young, I used to get a lot of warts, and my aunt was very uh, vicious, and so I didn't want to show her that I had these warts. And so she would gather my four limbs and tie it up, and she would cut these warts out. And I was so scared, so scared at that time. And then, and then what she would use to, to heal the wound was flour, right? At that time, we didn't have, a, we didn't have a anesthetic, but he used, she used flour. But anyways, and so the point of me saying this is, is that, you know, uh, you need to be able to see the depth of that sin, of that wickedness, of that iniquity. So let's say your source is immorality. Not only are you cutting away the immorality, but also your, your, tra- your, your personality transforms. 
If your personality still maintains that immorality, that worldliness, that unbelief, what does that mean? That means that you're just simply saying, oh, I've sinned, but you're not actually repenting of the root. And so in this season, it's time for us to go through uh, Beth, Gilgal, Jericho, Bethel, and, and to the Jordan all at once. because you do not recognize the root of your iniquity that you still fail to see the being of the church that you are part of an organism you are still yet to be transparent you don't even recognize that you are not being transparent you don't but you don't want your shame to be revealed you cannot reveal yourself and you don't recognize that you are slowly suffocating It's because our roots are not being dealt with. That's why you, 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 your personality is not being transformed. Right? Uh, we have sinned against the Lord. Our, 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 our iniquity needs to be revealed. And Samuel judged the people of Israel at Mitzpah. And so the importance of the leader. So in this new season, we see Samuel reign. And so for the past 25 years, as the leader of Yorban Church, God has reigned over our church. But now this season, it's not just reigning over a single church, but a leader that can reign over the entirety of the remnant. He's talking about the 
uh, crazy things that he experienced when he was at Uganda. And so he's hopeful that that's not going to happen again the next time we go to Uganda. Uganda, a lot of crazy things happened. Uh, there were these really big... Uh, anyways. And so, uh, as the prophecy of Joel says, in these end times, we must make every effort to gather. Because when two or three are gathered in his name, he is in his midst. And so when the remnant are gathered, God works in that midst. When the remnant gather, their prayer, their prophecies that they proclaim, God hears and answers. Why is water constantly falling? Someone told him to move his podium back, and he said, what do you mean? <laughs> the air conditioner should move, not me. But anyway, so the fourth thing, verse 7. Now when the Philistines heard that the people of Israel had gathered at Mitzvah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. And when the people of Israel heard of it, they were afraid of the Philistines. It's not just Israel gathered, but the devil gathers too. This is the principle of things. It always happens in this way. You may say to the devil, don't come, but he's going to come. He's going to come. In the end times in Armageddon, the, the devil is going to gather. And so look at Israel, even this conference. For the past two weeks, the devil has gathered in Israel. But do not be afraid. But, and yet what happened? They were afraid. We should not think that it's strange that the devil gather. They gather. The important thing is, is that we are not afraid. It's not focusing on whether they gather or not. They're going to gather. Even if you say, don't come, they're going to gather. But the important thing is that they were afraid. But there's no need to be afraid. Amen? So do not be afraid. No matter what the world may do, what the devil may do, there's nothing that the devil can do without it being approved first by God. Through them gathering, God is going to take even greater glory. Amen? And so for the past... 34 years, that has truly been God's grace to us. That never once have we suffered any loss to the devil. Never once have we been afraid or have we felt lonely. Have I felt lonely? That's the grace of God. It's because I recognize and I know God and I know what the truth is. And so the important thing here is it's not that the Philistines gathered, but that they were afraid. Let us not be afraid. Amen. There's no need to be afraid. So now let's look at the elements that they made. And so the Philistines gathered as well. Now does God stand still then? No, he does not. 
So the important thing isn't whether the devil gathers or not, the enemy gathers or not. The important thing is what does Israel do? And so in verse 8, And the people of Israel said to Samuel, Do not cease to cry out to the Lord for God, our God for us, that he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. And so look, the important thing is, even if they say to Samuel, don't pray, Samuel would pray. And yet, the important thing we see here is that they are in one heart. That they prayed, and they are in one heart. And so the important thing here is, is that they should have prayed with Samuel. They didn't need to tell Samuel to pray because Samuel would have prayed even if they told them not to pray. So the important thing is to have faith together. But the reason why they looked to Samuel is because they were afraid. And so if you are afraid, you will have unbelief. If you have fear, you cannot break through. And so if you are afraid, you cannot pray in faith. Or if you are afraid, you cannot pray in faith. So I cast out fear. Get out. Amen. Who is the representative of fear in our church? Verse 9, so Samuel took a nursing lamb and offered it as a whole burnt offering. A nursing lamb, right? That means pure and clean as a whole burnt offering, right? Restoration of the whole worship. So what is the focus of mitzvah? Now, of course, there are many elements that are involved. Repentance, all kinds of elements. But what's the important thing? The focus is worship. And so the more holy you grow, the more powerful that worship will be. And so through your perfection, through your loosening of, the, of, of, your, of your bindings, the more re- manifestation, revealing of your wickedness and repentance of that, the greater the worship will be. So even now, that's the season that should be upon us is to repent deeply and, and rev- revival happening. But why isn't that not happening? Because we are not surfacing our, our, our wickedness. We are not surfacing our transgressions. But as we face our transgressions head on, as we face our wickedness head on, we grow and grow in holiness. Amen. And this is the reason why they gathered at Mitzpah, is for this glorious worship. And as they were having this worship, so Samuel cried out to the Lord, and the Lord answered him. So they have this relationship. And so when the leader of Israel has this relationship with God, Israel will be made, will be sanctified. Amen. And so you have grown in your sanctification. Now it's time for us to enter into perfect holiness. Amen. And so after they took this element, as this glorious worship happened, verse 10, 
As Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to attack Israel. But the Lord thundered with a mighty sound that day against the Philistines and threw them into confusion, and they were defeated before Israel. And so the glory of the worship of Israel is not about them making something of them. It's not making their victory of themselves, but God's blessing comes upon them. So it's the worship that is our blessing, not our efforts to make something of ourselves. We need to understand that it's God who does everything. Even the restoration of the worship, it's God. That's what we need to recognize. And so true worship. Let us yearn for this. In this new season, the purpose is the glory of the worship. That if you offer the true worship to God, that, that then God will solve all the things in your life. Right? Why do you not have the prayer power time to pray? It's because your relationship with God is not right. And so you are doing everything that God should be doing. That's why you're so busy and, and you, are, you are so busy. And so I don't think it's that you do not believe. I think it's that you have not experienced it. You have not experienced God doing everything inside of you. And that's why you're always so busy, so busy. 34 years ago when I met with God, I experienced this even while I was a lay member. And so my prayer time. My prayer time has done such great works in, in the church while I was a lay member. Even though I was, a, even though I was working at an office, And so when we have true worship, so this is where you fail. It's not about what you're able to do or what you're not able to do, what you fail to do. No, that's not a child of God. A child of God knows what brings glory to life, what brings sanctification to life. It's the relationship with God. And yet many of the saints are deceived regarding this, that they think that they need to work hard. That, oh, I, I don't have money. I don't have this. I don't have that. And so try just worshiping perfect worship for years. See what happens in your life. In that year, your life will become, will rise to a completely new dimension. So that's the worship we need to lift up to God. And that's the goal of this season, is to lift up that glorious worship. Let us yearn for it.
it's not just one worship on Sunday. No, but that my entire being is for worship throughout the week. Throughout the week being under God's reign. And in that week, that worship, when we are, when these kinds of people are gathered for worship, that's the kind of worship that Yabang Church needs to embody. Amen? So the season of glorious worship is upon us. Amen? So verse 11. And the men of Israel went out from Mitzpah and pursued the Philistines and struck them as far as below Bethkar. That they've been completely annihilated. The Philistines were completely annihilated. And so we need to understand that worship equals victory. Verse 12. And so lastly, verse 12 to 13, let's see the Ebenezer. Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mitzpah and Shen and called its name Ebenezer. For he said, till now the Lord has helped us. So Samuel took a stone and set it up and set up a memorial. And what does Ebenezer mean? It means the stone of help. And so the place, this place is named Ebenezer, the stone of help. And this stone is what? As we see in the statue, the vision of the statue uh, that Daniel describes, the stone, we think of Jesus. Jesus, our stone of help. And so Ebenezer is the stone of help of God for Israel. And, but to Israel, in chapter 4, verse 1, it's the same stone, but when they are not filled with the Holy Spirit, and the word of Samuel came to all Israel. Now Israel went out to battle against the Philistines. They camped at Ebenezer and the Philistines and camped at Ephek. The Philistines drew up in line against Israel, and when the battle spread, Israel was defeated. And so look, no matter how good of a thing it may be, if they are not filled with the Spirit of God, if they are not filled with holiness, then that good thing becomes a curse. Look at chapter 5. Then the Philistines captured the Ark of God. They brought it from Ebenezer to Ashdod. And so where did they lose the Ark? They lost the Ark at Ebenezer. And so this stone, the stone itself has no meaning. The stone is blessing because we are in God. But when we are not in God, that stone, that Jesus Christ has nothing, has no benefit to you, has no gain to you. But when we are giving our lives for holiness, then this stone is Ebenezer, the stone of help. And to those people, this stone of help annihilates the devil before them. So we're really going to end soon. And so, verse 13. So the Philistines were subdued and did not again enter the territory of Israel. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. And so as long as our Lord is with us, we will not be defeated. Amen. 
when we serve him, when we live for him, we will not be defeated. Amen? Verse 14. The cities that the Philistines had taken from Israel were restored to Israel. And so with the worship, restoration of the worship, it restores everything. If your worship truly is worshiping glory, then this season is going to restore everything that has been taken from you. Amen? Was money taken from you? It'll be restored. Was your children taken from you? It'll be restored. Was your honor taken from you? It'll be restored. Was your authority taken from you? It'll be restored. In this season, God is going to restore all things. And so that's why we have hope. Amen? Was your health taken from you? It'll be restored. Have faith. Have faith. This is the time of restoration. From Ekron to Gath, all of it was restored to Israel. And so in this time, what should we yearn for is the restoration of the worship, restoration of holiness. That's where we need to put our lives. Amen. Do you believe? And it doesn't just end there. There was peace also from... There was peace also between Israel and the Amorites. Who are the Amorites? Where do we first see the Amorites? Somewhere close by in First Samuel, there's there. But anyways, I don't remember exactly where. But in this season, the Amorites were originally the strongest nation during this time. Though the Philistines were an iron were Iron Age, the Amorites began the Iron Age of the Palestine region. So remember, during this time, the Israelites don't have any iron weapons. Only Saul is the first warrior in Israel to have a sword. Right? Who's going to win in a battle between an army of archers and an army of snipers? And yet, as God is worshipped and restoring that glory, all the devil, all the enemy is... is is annihilated before Israel. And so when God just uh, threw stones at the Philistines, right? Look at look at even Goliath, right? David. How did he take? And so, you know, God is a dead shot. That's what he's saying. God is a dead shot. He doesn't just cast stones from heaven onto the earth. No, he's dead shot. He's accurate. Knows exactly where to hit. But the Amorites were stronger than the Philistines. And so, logically speaking, these, these farmers, these farmers... Of he- 
What reason is there for Amorites to have peace with them? There's nothing. And yet because of the fear of the Lord, all the Canaanites cannot, cannot do anything against them. Because the fear of the because the fear of the Lord came upon the Amorites, they have peace with the Israelites. And this is the blessing of the season. God restores all things and brings all things under subjugation. So it's time for spiritual warfare to become easy. Up until this point, the devil is looking down on the remnant. This does not make sense when he says, Ban Juan. It shouldn't be that the youth shivering in fear, but the devil should be shivering in fear. Cute, you're going to China. Right, the devil should be afraid that you're coming. Amen. This is the season upon us. Shalom. True victory. True peace. Subjugation of the devil. Amen. Do you believe? This is the season that is upon us. And so how? Through worship, through prayer. That's where we need to bet our lives. Amen. This is time for this restoration. The level of holiness, the level of the church growing, growing, growing. Amen. And so it's only 530. Let us pray. So let us cling to today's word. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I do not want to mix with the world living in this syncretism. Have mercy on me. And Lord, may I, may I turn my entire heart to you. May I fully turn to you. That as the glory of Mitzvah come, that you would shake the, the foundations of this church. It's not about me taking actions. It's not about my will, about my effort. But Lord, that through worship and through prayer, that Lord, you would directly work on our behalf. That you would directly intervene in our behalf. Restore this worship. All, all, all the elements of our life, our work, our children, our honor, our money, everything. Restore it. Open the gates in this new season. Open this new season. Open the path wide. As Yarbam Church comes upon this space, upon this time, bless the church that their prayer would be revived, that the glory of the worship would be completely renewed. That Lord, we have sinned against you, that all of our iniquities, all of our wickedness would be laid bare before you, Lord. Hallelujah. Okay, and so uh, we'll have a good trip. And everyone who's remaining behind, I know that it's going to be difficult, but please do your best and uh, pray hard. Amen? So for the past 20 years, if it wasn't for this intercession, we would not have been able to do the ministry that we have been doing. And so... So whether it's 24-hour intercession or overall intercession, I know it's not going to be easy.
But please, please, I ask of you to pray. And uh, we'll have a good trip. And of course, God has done great things throughout these conferences. But I'm very grateful that God is continually uh, pouring even more out. And he, I can feel His pleasure that as this new season is opening up, that, that let us hold on and cling to His promise. Amen? Pray for the glory of the worship. Prayer. And so this restoration of prayer is possible to a church like us because we've been praying for 365, 24-7 for the past 15 years. This is the kind of church that would know what to yearn for, what to hope for. And so let us have great expectations. Amen. This season is not going to take a long time. And uh, though I'll go back to Ecclesiastes, as soon as possible, we want to integrate the eschatology in Daniel and Revelations. And, you know, Russia, China, there's so much going on. And, and like, China is going to rise up one more time. It's not yet time for China to fall. There's... As I'm seeing the flow of history right now, China and Russia, Russia and Ukraine, I think it's going to continue even until the next uh, president. And uh, honestly, it's going to be uh, um, it's going to be ultimately uh, same thing. Whoever wins, what side? Because either way, Russia is going to take take uh, be one with Europe. And we see Israel uh, getting friendly relationships with the Arabian countries. That's also just show. It's a facade. But anyways, and so this season is opening up. Amen? And God has granted this great victory. And I believe that in this conference, there's going to be something great happening, something that I've never experienced before. Ever since the coronavirus, all these conferences, I've been continually thinking, could it anything be better? Could anything be better? And yet God has been continually renewing and pouring out greater things. Amen. And so 180 of us will be going to Israel from Korea itself. One hundred eighty three people from Korea. In China, uh, I don't know if all the visas were granted, but some of them have been. Originally, China, about 32, 33 people registered, but only nine visas have been granted so far. So anyways, continue to pray for this. And uh, yes. <clears throat> I think there's 29 people who are going to be leaving Wednesday with me. Uh, I know that we're all staying at different places. Maybe we'll gather uh, in between. Uh, 
maybe meet at the West Wall or meet uh, at Dan Hotel. Okay, so Wednesday, we are flying Wednesday, so Thursday, Friday, Saturday until Sunday morning. Um, so uh, if you are going to be in Israel during that time, uh, then uh, please be, make yourselves available. We might gather at the Western Wall or gather at the Dan Hotel and gather together and pray. Anyways, so let's pray. Lord, we thank you. Yes, Lord, as we yearn for this new season, we are finally going towards Israel, dedicating and sacrificing all kinds of things. And so, Lord, the time has finally come for this conference to open. Open up your glory. And as Yerbang Church serves, may you pour out your blessing upon Yerbang Church. And through this church, we thank you for allowing all of these things to happen. So everyone who remains, everyone who goes, may they all dwell in your grace. Bless today's offering. May it be pleasing aroma to you. And especially for this offering for this conference in Israel, may all the glory of Israel be theirs. Bless this community and bless it evermore. Be pleased with today's offering. In this time of famine, may the riches of the kingdom of heaven continue to flow through this church to bring life to the world. For the past 20 years, Lord, Zoe Ministry has used so much money, and though, it, though we recognize that this is just the beginning, that it is just a taste of what's to come upon our children, our vision, the church, our business, our inheritance. All of the things will be enriched in your grace. And Lord, help us to build a new building so that we can gather the remnant all over the world. While your servant is absent, May intercession continually grow in fervor and in strength and in influence. And now, by the grace of Jesus Christ, through the head of the church, through the holy love of the Father, the indwelling, comforting, fulfilling work of the Holy Spirit, to the saints who hope, who hope and yearn for the opening of the gl- glorious season upon their family, upon their business, upon this nation, upon this people, upon Yerbang Church, Zoe Ministry, and the missions all over the world. May this blessing rest now and forevermore. Amen.